1: leaping to make the catch out of bounds he has it for six he's got a knee-high snap looking left now over the middle he pump fakes he rolls to his right with connor barwin pursuing he knocks him down the ball is thrown up in the air and batted away incomplete the rams defense clinches it goff will come on the field for victory formation The Rams' sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions.
3: Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor, Derek C. Paul, with the man, the myth, the legend, Norm Hightower. And our guest from the San Jose Mercury News, sports columnist, Peter Kertenbach from the Oakland Raiders camp here to give us our first Across the Enemy Lines podcast for the year. Before we get to him and start talking with him, if you want to ask, you head over to iTunes. Uh, Use that wonderful five-star review. It makes our day just peachy. I I just used the word peachy. I'm sorry, I did. SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, all those places. Don't forget we're ivyradio.com. They air our shows Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10
4: a.m. Pacific. Okay, Peter. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, should be a pretty good game on Monday. Only only made slightly more interesting by the news of the week. <laughs> I saw you. I, I just saw your eyes look left right
3: there as you said that. Is that sarcasm or how are you feeling right now?
4: That is my first language. English is second, so. Um. <laughs> Yeah, obviously I, I'm impartial when it comes to the, to the Raiders and 49ers, but there's a very clear sentiment happening here in the Bay Area, which is uh, John Gruden might get booed before his first game back. <laughs> That's something that could legitimately happen at the Coliseum. It's been brought up to me a couple times in the last uh, couple of days that he'll he'll get booed uh, during the uh, starting lineups of Monday Night Football. So great start to the season there. This should this should be a blast. He like it, it's a must-win game for John Gruden in his first game back as a head coach of the Oakland Raiders and he's doing it up against uh, you know a Super Bowl favorite.
3: Alright, so before we even really and that's the I guess that is the white elephant we want to go after yeah. right away. Just knock it out and move on from there. Before we do I want to say hey uh, our sponsor Jim Hawk wrote this amazing book called Hollywood Team Brit Glim, the nineteen fifties LA Rams, It's a book that tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad John was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. So check out this son's story of his father as he played for in Eric Blitz glamour and future Hall of Famers. We're talking guys like Norm Van Brocklin, Elwood, Craigslist Hurst, Tom Fierce, Les Richter. All of this story span the 1950s Rams. You can find Hawks' book online at Hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at Team. It's also available in hardback and electronic form at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, folks. It's a great book. I cannot believe it. Even more, read it. Miracles never cease. It's affordable. Trust me, check it out. It's Hollywood's teams, grit, glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. is definitely worth your time. Norm, you you were the one who spearheaded the the questioning out today, getting things ready for this. So go for it. Go after Dieter. What you got?
5: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dieter, like we said, let's uh, let's clear the elephant in the room right away. How how, how is the Mac trade affecting not only? the morale of the team, but what does it do for the Raiders' season? Yeah,
4: I wrote about this um, last night going into this morning. It it is interesting, and a lot of the questions regarding the Mack trade were, why wait until the last off day before the start of the regular season? I think we got an answer to that when the Raiders practiced on Monday, which is this team doesn't have a lot of time to think about the fact that Khalil Mack isn't going to be on the team this year. Now, they hadn't had him all preseason, so they're pretty used to him not being around, But now the reality is that he's never going to show up. They don't have time to dwell on that. They don't have time to think about all the implications, both in the present and the future. They just have to go out, prepare to beat the Rams on Monday. But as the season goes along, there are going to be times, no question, when guys in that locker room, and certainly the fans are going to go, it'd be nice if the Raiders still had Khalil Mack. And I'm wondering when John Gruden has to address those people, when that situation comes up how that locker room is going to handle it. Um, they're kind of delaying, delaying the inevitable. Ultimately, not having your best defensive player, one of the best defensive players in the NFL, one of the best players in the NFL, is going to hurt your chances of winning. Uh, John Gruden has a 10-year contract. This team is moving to Vegas in a year or two or three. No one really knows because it's the Raiders. Um, he is thinking long-term, and ultimately it looks like he is punting this season which was looking like it was going to be an 8-9 win year, perhaps, if things go well. John played it pretty close to the in preseason, so we don't really know what the Raiders are going into Week 1. I think Gruden took a lay of the land, saw what the options were, and went, I would rather have a better team going into Vegas than in the last year or two in Oakland. That's what he did, and, and I, I just can't imagine that that kind of decision-making won't come back and, and fracture this team in some way. So not only are they going to be worse off on the field in 2018 because they lose Khalil Mack, I think that this trade is going to kind of crockpot a bad situation in the Raiders' locker room. I, I would not be surprised if this team is drafting in the top five when it's all said and done.
3: So were there any actual negotiations between Mack and... And the Raiders at all before this trade. I mean, I'm asking sort of, yeah. There was so much noise in the national media, and these days you don't know who's telling what's true anymore.
4: Yeah, I, 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 disagree, I disagree. with that. Um, the trade. I mean, I guess we'd have to go blow by blow to figure out, you know, okay, sort of that. But in terms of the negotiation aspect, um, there was no. Clear-cut, two t- parties, you know, at the table discussing actual terms. Uh, the Raiders never even came close. They made an offer, um, I think, in February. Uh, the Max Camp wanted to see what Aaron Donald was going to get. Wanted to see how the market would go. The Raiders, to my knowledge, never made a formal counteroffer after Aaron Donald signed, and because they traded him like 24 hours later. So there was very little conversation. There was obviously open dialogue, but in terms of nitty-gritty, we're going to hash out a contract, we're going to get down to details. That stuff was not happening because, as we now see, John Gruden wanted to see where the market went. He wanted to give Mac the opportunity to sort of see how this all played out. And when the number came in with $87 guaranteed, Gruden said, no, we're not going to give a quarter of the salary cap to Derek Carr and Khalil Mack for the next three, four years. And that gives me no opportunity to change up this team, to put my stamp on this team. It basically locks in eight, nine wins for the next three, four years uh, at best. And that's not what John Gruden signed up for. And I don't think that's what people in Las Vegas signed up for. So Gruden wants the financial flexibility of not having to pay defensive end, who he does not believe is worth quarterback money. That's the cut and dry of it. He has the flexibility to go out and sign more free agents fill up a couple of roster holes down the line, and he gets four first-round draft picks over the next two years. That's a lot more enticing to him than having one of the best players in the NFL. Clearly, the fans disagree. I don't think he's necessarily wrong, but then you bring in the whole Vegas versus Oakland thing, which is mm-hmm. people in Oakland are pissed because this team, which said they're going to do everything that they can for these last two years in Oakland, if it is two years again, we don't know if they're going to be here in 2019. These last two years, well, now they've thrown those two years away. They're building for Las Vegas. They might as well leave now, but they're not, and it's creating a very complicated dynamic.
3: Let me back up a little bit because I yeah. made the point you could disagree. What I'm, what I'm really going at here is what was reported in national news was that. There was nothing going on between yes. Mac and Richards. That, that, that is. So that's what I'm trying to clarify because I'm not. I, I can't really. Okay. I can't believe that that nothing was going on. The grood never talked
4: to Mac at all. Not not formally. That's No. A, that, no. I, I mean, listen. Uh, we can get down into mm-hmm. um, parsing extreme details. I, I, you know, there were a couple of how you doings. That these guys never engaged on any serious grounds in regards to contract. John Gruden and, and uh, Khalil Mack, or John Gruden, you know, Joel Siegel, Khalil Mack's agent. They never, I've not, I, I do not know, but my my gut feeling based on what I do know is that Joel Siegel and John Gruden did not have a single conversation over the last nine months.
5: Do you think that they had this trade in mind already kind of laid out before Aaron Donald's number came in, because it happened so
4: uh, fast. I, they were certainly open to the concept, and this was something of uh, <laughs> that was not well-received. And this is where a lot of that, oh, this was all fake news, because for about 10 days beforehand, the conversations of other teams calling up the Raiders regarding trading for Khalil Mack it was frequent. It was every day. It was somebody else is interested here and there well, yeah, those teams were interested. And the Raiders kept saying, well, we're not trading Khalil Mack yet. But those teams would make an offer. And so what the Raiders were doing was they were passively setting a price for Khalil Mack. And the entire NFL knew, I would say by the end of last weekend, not the one that we just finished, but the one before that, that it was going to take two first-round picks to get Khalil Mack off of the Raiders and that the Raiders were willing to play ball for two first-round picks. Um, When the Donald number came in, the Raiders, that was way over. I mean, the, the number that I've heard is the Raiders were willing to go to about 70 million dollars in guaranteed money for Khalil Mack. They were, they were, they were comfortable enough with the 20-something million per year. It was that guaranteed money that they had a really hard time doing, or for a couple of different reasons. And um, 70 and 87 and 90, which is what Mack eventually got, vastly different numbers. And so when that Donald number came in, we went into hyperdrive. All of that sort of laying of the groundwork for the 10 days beforehand that people said was, you know, or that at least naysayers decided was totally unimportant. Well, in fact, it was massively important because that's why it was able to happen so fast. The Raiders were open to it. Other teams kept calling. The price got set without the Raiders ever explicitly saying so and when it was made very clear by the Raiders that we're not going to sign Khalil Mack to an Aaron Donald-style contract, which is the only way to get him back to this team, well, everyone knew what they had to offer if they wanted to get him, and the Bears were able to do it within about 12 hours.
5: So this obviously puts Bruden at a disadvantage right off the bat, although mm-hmm. it seems kind of self-inflicted. Does it, yeah. does it put him on the hot seat at all You know, in the next couple of years if you don't do anything, or, is it, or do you think it's planned? Yeah.
4: This is, this is John Gruden's plan. John Gruden's rebuilding the Oakland Raiders. And this is, in any other franchise, that wouldn't be an issue. Um, if John Gruden comes in with this massive contract that he has and says, okay, what has been going on the last 15 years? This team has had one winning year in the last 15 years. What's been going on isn't going to fly anymore. I'm tearing it all down, and I'm building it from scratch as I see fit. i got a 10-year contract. I will be here longer than any player Uh, on this team will be here. But then you have the Oakland versus Las Vegas thing, and you have all of the pandering and business decisions that the Raiders have had to make to play to the Oakland base. Marshawn Lynch is not on this Raiders team because he was the best running back available in free agency. Marshawn Lynch is on this Raiders team because he is the favorite son of Oakland, and he was able to keep people engaged with this team, prevent the mutiny from happening. John Gruden is on a 10-year, $100 million deal because he was the favorite son of the Oakland Raiders. He was the one that got away. But every move that John Gruden is making is for the Las Vegas Raiders. And so those chickens are going to come home to roost here. I don't, Again, I don't necessarily think this is a bad move. There is a lot of justification in moving Khalil Mack if you are looking for 2020 and beyond. But the Oakland Raiders fans, they don't have a 2020. of oh, this team. Yeah, so we're
5: familiar with how that works you know, yeah. with the whole move thing.
4: <laughs> yeah. It's, um, so it, and this is as weird of a move as I can recall in professional sports since at least the seventies, if not earlier than that. So, um, He's not on the hot seat because Mark Davis still writes his checks, and Mark Davis is completely enamored with John Gruden for reasons that speak poorly to Mark Davis. But that's my—I mean, I don't know what you i don't know what you want from me in terms of, you know, explaining Mark Davis, because I don't think we have 10, 20 hours. No,
3: we, you know, that's probably a book you can probably write out there, and if you write it, I'll buy it. I'll tell you right yeah, now. Yeah,
4: well, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I have the brain cells to just take in all of the weird. Let's put it that way.
3: I mean, someone's got to write that book. When the when, when, when
4: <laughs> Raiders are gone
3: out of open, someone's got to write that book. Right. Well, just one more thing about the trade, and I'll gladly move yeah. on. I'm filling you. With no,
4: this. I'm happy. Um,
3: one of the things that blew my mind with this trade, and it blew a lot of those minds, is yeah. the fact that the Raiders gave back a second-round pick.
4: Oh, yeah. Uh, what the <laughs> <belief>? <laughs> Um John Gruden has proven uh, since he took over that he doesn't really give a crap about second and third day picks he gave up a third pick for Martavis Bryant who he promptly cut at the end of training camp so um, for the preseason he got the two first round picks yeah. that's what mattered and whatever they needed to do to make those two first round picks stay on the table they did so they gave up a second round pick it doesn't make any damn sense the Jimmy Johnson trade chart would tell you that's ridiculous Um But this is how the Raiders do business. It's fast and loose, and they don't take a lot of time to break things down analytically. It's all about the gut. And John Gruden's gut said, get two first-round picks for Khalil Mack, or don't trade him. And ultimately, he felt like Khalil Mack wasn't showing up for the entire season, I guess. Um, Because Gruden was never going to give him the money. Khalil Mack said, I'm going to hold out until I get the money. And John Gruden goes, well, unless I get two first-round picks, we're just going to be in this purgatory. He gets the two first-round picks. He wanted it off his plate. If it took a second-round pick to go the other way, does it make any damn sense? No, but, again, the Oakland Raiders.
3: Sure. Now, that I just keep seeing that visual where um, I forget who it was that simulated
4: uh, trade on Madden 19. Oh, yeah, 19. no, there's no way it would ever happen.
3: Uh, oh, my gosh. Okay. That's <laughs> no, said, <going> wrong.
4: That's <laughs> that said, with that Madden thing, to be fair, that Madden thing doesn't take into account the fact that Khalil Mack wasn't going to play this year or at least wasn't going to play for several weeks, and the fact that the Raiders had determined that he was not worth the value the market had set for him. Now, we can quibble about that second point all day long. That's where John Gruden stands, and all things considered, knowing that he was not going to keep Khalil Mack beyond a franchise tag or two, that Khalil Mack was probably not going to go to Vegas with him, and that he was going to get nothing back, certainly less, down the line that he've got right now, Two first-round picks is pretty good, even if you do give up that second-round pick in the process. It just reeks of amateurism. It reeks of cheapness. And Gruden did a terrible job in explaining his rationale because he kept pawning it off on the GM, who, by the way, had set aside the money to sign Khalil Mack and was ready to do it in January until John Gruden came in with a $100 million contract, which essentially handed him total control of the team, which he has now fully used since he's gotten there.
5: Gotcha. Well let's uh let's move on to some X's and O's stuff here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the, Rams, the good stuff. Yeah. The Rams last year had the number one offense in the league. Yeah. What do you think the Raiders are gonna do, especially without Mac now, on defense to stop LA's offense?
4: The Raiders did make one good move this offseason. There's a couple, but this is the best one. Paul Gunther, the defensive coordinator that they were able to get from Cincinnati, is one hell of a defensive coordinator, and he's done more with less perhaps better than anyone in the NFL over the last few years. Now, the Raiders don't have a Geno Atkins type, but they certainly have a lot of guys with similarities to what was going on in that Cincinnati defense. Like, a lot of guys who have a couple of certain skill sets, maybe a bit over the hill, but they made those pieces fit together. The Raiders are going to run um, more or less a man-match quarter system. They're going to have two high safeties, um, and they're going to just rush four. And I guess they're going to have to blitz a little bit more now that Mac is not there. But they feel pretty comfortable with the defensive line that they have without Mac. They got this guy, Arden Key, from LSU, who was going to be a top-ten pick before he totally spiraled out of control in his last year at LSU. They like what they got in these rookies, DJ Hall and, um, and Maurice Hurst out of Michigan. They were able to get some value in the draft along the defensive line. They still have Bruce Irvin to get—obviously, Mac. <laughs> takes that to another level. But they're going to be competent on the defensive line. They will be able to get some sort of a pass rush. I think particularly in the middle, and Rams fans know damn well that if you got a good rush in the middle, you're going to have a good rush. Um, The corners have a chance to be pretty damn good. Um, I I think Gary and Conley has a chance to be a star. So they're going to run the same basic stuff over and over again. It is up to McVay and Goff to just execute the basics. And what is going to be available to them, I think, is passes right over the middle. They have to exploit Derrick Johnson's inability to move at middle linebacker and just pound over and over again. I think Cup is probably going to have a big game, but I don't think he's going to have a pass that goes for more than eight or nine yards. But it's going to be really hard for the Raiders to get the Rams off the field on third down. And they're going to get to third down a lot, I think. It's going to be hard for them to get off the field on third down. If they cannot show that they have a linebacking core capable of staying on the field in non nickel situations and even in nickel situations. I like Paul Gunther a lot. I think that this defense is going to improve significantly, but I have too much respect for what the Rams are able to do schematically on offense to think that that's going to show up in week one, especially as all these parts are trying to fit together for the first time, even though it's a much more basic system and a much better system than the Raiders ran last year. So flipping it around, Do
3: you think Eric Carr is going to have some nightmares thinking about that pass rush coming
4: his way? Well, I'm interested to see what the pass rush on the outside of that defensive line is for the Rams. We know that they're going to be great on the inside. Um, The outside is going to be interesting. Um, We have no idea what John Gruden really wants to run. We have no concept of the wrinkles, um, the tendencies, the personnel schemes, all that we we just don't, we don't know or personnel groupings we don't know yet because Derek Carr got 13 snaps in the preseason and all of them were hyper vanilla. So maybe John Gruden has spent the last nine years sitting in that strip mall in Tampa coming up with the world's greatest offense that Kyle Shanahan and McVay and all of these West Coast guys that are pushing you know the envelope in that offense. It's going to blow those guys out of the water. He's come up with something genius or nothing has changed since Tampa, and it's going to be an embarrassment. I don't know. I honestly have no earthly idea. What the Raiders are going to do is they are going to run behind zone blocking. That is entirely new, and that is a big problem because this offensive line was built for power. They asked everybody to lose 30 pounds. They're starting a true rookie at left tackle. They're starting an out-of-shape Donald Penn at right tackle. They moved their Pro Bowl left tackle to right tackle in exchange for a rookie. So if he's not good enough to play his old position, why is he good enough to play right tackle? Because they're just going to line up somebody bad good against him. So the offensive line is in a weird spot. Um, They certainly have a lot of talent at receiver, but I don't know if Marshawn Lynch is going to be able to run against this line. Certainly against a team like the Rams, it's going to be difficult, even with questions at linebacker. And Derek Carr is going to have to, I guess... Show that he can do timing and accuracy, two things that I would argue are on the very bottom of lists of skills that he has. So, other than that, though, I mean, it's pretty cut and dry. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh, that's funny.
4: <laughs> it's so. I mean, it's, I, I honestly have no earthly idea. You, it, I, I wish I. I wish I knew, uh, but I don't have. You know. Bill Belichick secret tapes about what the Raiders have been doing in practice beyond what they show us for the last have shown us for the last month. They're going to cross. They're going to do a lot of crossing routes, and yeah,
3: they're going to zone we, block. That's what I got. And we know a lot about Bill Belichick secret tapes. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> well,
5: we're going to have uh, Littleton in the middle and Mark Barron in the middle, who do a good job at covering the pass. Yeah. You know, we're going to have Sue getting probably getting double-teamed on the line, as well as Donald getting double-teamed on the line, which sets Michael Brockers free. Yeah. I don't know. I, that Brockers it,
4: could have a big game, but, again, I mean, I, it, it just depends on how ready Donald is to play. Because if Aaron Donald shows up and he's Aaron Donald, okay, well, now you have Nadamakan Sue right next to him, and you know Nadamakan Sue's never missed a game, uh, in, in the sense of when he's out there, he's there. There should be plenty of opportunity to get to Derek Carr. And again, one of the big issues that Derek Carr has is the fact that he's super skittish in the pocket. And you get to him early, you're going to be there with him late. This this, this has a chance to be a complete and utter blowout on the Rams side. If the Raiders have any chance in this, it's going to be a real tight game.
5: Yeah, you know, I have a feeling that Derek and I could play outside linebacker with this defense and probably do
3: alright. That's <laughs> right? uh, well, I, mean, I. You know, that's what I was just thinking. The key of the game has to be, you know, on the outside, Samson become yeah, and whoever plays opposite right now. And we've been getting some folks kind of wondering, doubting him a bit. And yeah, I don't think we saw much of him on defense in the preseason with his with the first to Really know what we're going to get. We'll wait to find out. He, he needs that pass rush to back him up. He's not—he's not a rover, so we'll see.
5: Well, and they've also yeah. been trying out Dominic Easley out on the outside. So if you had Dominic Easley to sue Donald and uh, Brockers, <laughs> and Easley has looked good, he has. So yeah, it, so. you know, and, that, and then of course you've got our corners out there covering your wide receivers. So yeah, I mean that's
4: and that's really the that's really the tricky part because that's where. Carr's accuracy and timing is going to be so paramount. When you have those elite cover corners like the Rams have, you have to get it into tight windows, and you got to get it there at the exact moment that the guy makes a break or that you, you have to deliver the ball on time. Carr is the spread quarterback. Um, the, the year that he had in 2016, they ran spread concepts. Full shotgun, four wide, single back. You know, power, Sometimes they were powerful blocking in the run. It was it was spread stuff. This is not going to be... Maybe it is. I, I shouldn't say definitively that it isn't, but I have a hard time believing that John Gruden is going to put in what he calls a college offense, even though Andy Reid has done it, and we've seen a lot of success with Doug Peterson, obviously, in Philadelphia, with kind of these college RPO styles. That's the kind of offense the Raiders need to be running. I don't think John Gruden's going to run it, in which case now you're begging Derek Carr to take a massive leap forward and I, of all the people in the Bay Area, and probably the biggest car skeptic. I don't see it coming.
3: Well, do they have the personnel even run that kind of offense?
4: Um, which one? The, uh, the, the, the true West Coast? You know, the, the, the college Will spread. Washington. Yeah. Yeah, they, do. they did. I mean, they did it in 2016. It's more or less the same personnel. Um, now, you won't have Marshawn Lynch on the field in that circumstance. I don't think that's that much of a loss, if we're being totally honest. But Amari Cooper... You have the receiving core with Jordan Nelson, Amari Cooper, uh, Seth Roberts. Pretty deep at receiver. I, I like where the Raiders' receivers are at. Jared Cook's a good tight end. I mean, there you can see a lot of the similarities to sort of what Mike McCarthy ran um, or runs still with the Packers. That was kind of where the Raiders were in 2016. Obviously, Nelson and Cook fit that perfectly fine, and Cooper can do whatever he wants. That offensive line was fantastic in 2016. It was arguably the best in the NFL. They're going to something different, though. Clearly, that is not what's in the cards that spread. Maybe there is a marriage between the two. Uh, Certainly, zone blocking doesn't portend one way or another. It doesn't give us a hint as to which way they're going, other than it's going to be a more typical West Coast system. But um, I would absolutely think that that would be the best way to utilize the players the Raiders already have, starting with their quarterback. But that is not how John Gruden has ever operated. He is an ideologue when it comes to his way and his system and what he learned from the Bill Walsh tree and Mike Holmgren. I have a hard time believing that we're going to see anything that is too um, creative on Monday night or for the subsequent Sundays and Thursdays.
5: I would see him running a lot of 12 personnel. Two tight ends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, trying to take advantage of the tight ends because of the outside linebackers. Yeah, you know, I, and, I would really and that might work. That's where I would go if I were in his position, knowing that you've got, you know, <laughs> Marcus Peters and Philippe yeah. sitting out there. Even though I'll think you know, it even though your receivers are good, you know, great receivers, right? They're facing great talent on the defensive side, so I think that their one advantage would be to try to work the tight ends. But
4: I I, I agree with that, though I, I do not like the state of the Raiders tight ends. They have two blocking tight ends and Jared Cook. After that, I mean you're going to practice squad. They carry three tight ends. So um, I think they're going to go to a lot of 22 personnel and have a fullback. And I don't see it. I just I just don't see it because not only now are you running a really heavy set, which isn't an issue. We see a lot of teams do a wonderful job with 22 personnel these days. Kyle Shanahan has made a living off of 22 personnel. But, man, like you're dealing with you know, not talented players other than Cook in that set, you have a, if you're playing Marshawn Lynch, you have a running back who cannot catch the ball. Marshawn Lynch is probably a Hall of Famer, probably. But he's not a pass catching receiver. So now you're telegraphing what kind of play you're going to run based on which running back is in the game. Because if you bring in the two sort of scat backs that they have, well, now they're clearly not running it between the tackles. You have a fullback who just does, he's a blocking fullback. So he's not an option in the pass game like a guy like Kyle Jushek down in San Francisco is. You have Lee Smith, who is, might as well be a tackle uh, as a blocking tight end. You have Cook, who I think is excellent and underrated. And then you have Derek Carrier who's another blocking tight end. Like You don't have guys who are going to create mismatches that you can exploit down after down, pass play after pass play, and win a game. You, you might be able to win for five or six yards on first or second down. You are not going to be able to move the chains if you are in a two tight end set all day. But I totally agree with you. That should be the way the Raiders go to attack the Raiders or to the, attack the Rams weaknesses. They don't have the skill players to do it. so they're probably going to have to go strength against strength. I would not favor an offense that is figuring out what the hell it's doing in a situation like that.
5: Sure, and we have a little bit of history with Jared Cook too, so we, we kind
3: yeah, of that's yeah, that's right.
4: <laughs> to Sorry to bring that course. up, guys. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he
3: well the thing with Jared Cook is he made a lot of great plays, yeah. and then he'd do a lot of dumb stuff, and you never For knew sure. which Jared Cook was going to show up, and that's what drove us nuts, and that's why the Rams eventually let him go.
4: Yeah, he just I, I I think that he's rock solid. He's he is not a. He, if you had to rank all thirty-two tight ends in the NFL, he is right there at fifteen or sixteen. Um, Nothing special, but I like him as a vertical threat down the seam. I don't know how often I don't know how often John Gruden's gonna do that, to be honest. I think that there might be, you know, a handful of nine routes run the entire game. Um, it is going to be a lot of idiosyncratic stuff with the with the passing game. I think the running game is probably gonna be pretty damn the middle, all things considered. I, I I am talking myself out of the Raiders even being competitive in this game, the more <laughs> I speak.
3: <laughs> Jeez, okay, we'll just ask and pause for one second. got going to give a yeah. to sponsor real quick. But, hey, it's the Gold Ram Barbershop, our original sponsor, Sal Martinez, out there at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal opened up the shop as a shrine to the Rams. The day they left for St. Louis, and he kept the light on ever since, is still there, is still there. Basically, a hall of fame for the Rams as a barbershop. He's by appointment. No, let notice. give him a call at 714-894-Rams or 7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows we sent you. Get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Bull Barbershop is open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. Folks, he even made Johnny look good. He made Johnny into Magic Johnny. He fixed my hair. It's grown out weird. I gotta go back to him. Give him a call, okay? He even made normal normal, and that's worse than possible. Okay. So, we have a couple more questions for you, and you yeah. already touched on it. What's, just kind of to clarify, what is Oakland going to have to do to win, to get the win here, besides praying to the almighty above? <laughs> uh,
4: they're going to have to be really sound on defense. Um, especially third down. They're going to have to be somewhat bend but don't break, I would argue. Uh, I think that they have the scheme that if they if they have an A game, they can limit some of the things that the Rams want to do. On offense, they're going to need Derek Carr to look like a new man. And that's the cut and dry of it. Because if Derek Carr is anything like the guy we saw last year, if he shows any of the negative tendencies that were even there in 2016 that might not have gotten called uh, called out, By opposing defenses, there was a lot of interception luck that year. Uh, If Carr looks like a new quarterback, if he looks like he's rejuvenated, if he is the second coming of Steve Young, the Raiders have a chance. Um, There is a massive talent gap between these two teams. Cruden's got his work cut out for him, for sure. We don't know, though. We don't know a lot about these Raiders. There's a lot of reasons to be pessimistic. They might give plenty of reasons to be optimistic, On Monday night. Week one is a weird week. We all know that. Uh, You don't want to put too much stock in it one way or another. Teams are are coming in rusty. Teams are coming in with a lot of stuff they want to work out. They don't want to put too much on tape, but they also don't want to leave anything behind. Um, I'm fascinated. This is by far the most interesting game of week one. If just for the X's and O's, if just for the scheme aspects of things, not to mention on this side, you know all of the drama that's happening around the team. Not to mention the you know the Rams as a team coming in, kind of put all of their chips to the middle this year and said let's do this thing, let's go out and win a Super Bowl. You lose Week One to an Oakland Raiders team with all of the drama around them, that that doesn't bode all that well. There's plenty of fodder for overreaction, even though overreactions in Week One usually come out foolish. But it's going to take a lot for the Raiders. That that talent gap is huge, and um, talent gaps uh, usually show up in the final score.
5: Well, if you had to pick three play- players on the team that the Rams need to watch out for, who would they be?
4: Yeah. Um, Amari Cooper, he has the chance to beat anybody one-on-one, even you know Marcus Peters. He did it a couple of times last year when they went against the Chiefs. Um, Amari Cooper has to have a big game. Has to have a big game. Uh, the second guy, I think Arden Key is going to get pretty significant snaps here in his first regular season NFL game. And he was the real deal in the preseason, man. He made moving Khalil Mack a lot easier than perhaps it needed to be just because he looked so good. And this is a guy who had top five talent, top ten talent coming into the year. Um, It seems like he's got his head on straight. And if he can get to the quarterback, that's all that matters in this defense. Uh, The final guy, I think, is Gary Conley. We're not sure if he's going to play or not, but Conley has the ability to shut down one side of the field when he is right. And I think this defense does a lot to um, enable that kind of dominance. That's somebody you got to keep an eye on because if the Rams are able to get to him early, they will be able to get to him often. If you don't notice Gary and Conley for the first quarter, game's over because that means he's on. And when he is on, his athleticism is almost second to none in the NFL at that position.
3: All right, let's make
4: the calls. Let's yeah start with our guess game prediction. Um, I see Rams twenty seven, Raiders seventeen.
5: Well, I'll uh, I'll say the Rams are going to get three turnovers from the Raiders, probably two car interceptions, maybe a fumble. I'm going 38-13, Rams. That's Woo-hoo. a big one. Well, and the reason I'm doing that is because McVay and Gruden have a little history too, and I think For sure. I think McVay wants to. Make a little statement.
3: Okay. Uh, for me, I'm going Rams. I'm not going to go that much hook law. I'm going to go thirty-one seventeen. I do think uh, the fact that we didn't see much of the first team offense in the preseason, this is the first time we're going to see it, uh, that's a concern for me, and so I'm going to be a little, a little, little more conservative than Norm is there.
4: So there we go. I think we're all in agreement, though, that the Raiders are going to have to have one hell of a game to make this thing
3: truly interesting. They do have the players to pull it off, but
4: it's
3: it's a perfect game they got to play.
4: Yeah, I, I think that that's just about right. I, I would like to say, even though you know I, I'm certainly of that camp and you guys are, um, we just don't know much of anything about this Raiders offense going into the year, and, and maybe it is something special. Um, the Rams are certainly going to have a hard time scheming this week for what it is the Raiders are going to do. I don't know what kind of tape they're going to be dusting off. Uh, if they're going to go back to the Tampa days or uh, if they're just going to be watching their own stuff and hoping that Gruden liked what McVeigh ran last year. I, I really don't know because the preseason didn't give them a single piece of usable tape to study going into week one. That's a factor. Uh, maybe it keeps this game closer than any of us predict. Also
3: in fairness, we have no idea how this Rams offense to look this year.
4: Yeah. Adding no, in Brandon
3: Cooks, getting St. Watkins out of there. Yeah. Uh, you know, Getting rid of the Tavon Austin purse, all things like that. They're having some changes, a little bit of changes on offensive line. We don't know. We really yeah. don't know how this Rams offense is going to look this year with more with uh, more pieces of the puzzle. Brandon Cooks is a big. He's a big factor. St. Watkins did not work for the Rams for many reasons. And Derek Goff and Cooks
4: hit it off right away. So we'll yeah. see. I, let me put it you this way: There's a lot more reasons to put faith in McVay, given what he was able to do last year, than it is to put in John Gruden right now. We'll see where that, how big that talent gap is uh, once this game is over.
5: Yeah, I'm looking, right. I'm looking for the Chucky face by the by the end of the game. Yeah.
4: <laughs> it's going to be happening early. That's uh, for sure. Which, I think which so. one? The one
3: with this, where the, you know, the, the youthful Chucky face where there's no stitches yet, or there's you know the the stitches come down. Yeah, the, the blues bad. are open. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, T. Everyone, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time to just talk with all of us. <laughs> you were, yeah. You are above and
4: beyond a great guest. So thank oh. you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me, guys. Uh, Looking forward to the game on
5: Monday for sure. All right. Thanks a lot, buddy. Take it easy. Anytime.
3: So, again, that's Dieter Kertenbach from the San Jose Mercury News. Great guest. Man, good, good conversation. I hope we get guests like that the rest of the year, Norm. That was good stuff.
5: Yes, sir. So...
3: Uh, Before we sign off tonight, we do want to go ahead and talk a little bit more about our other sponsor. That is Jayhawk Pools. Jayhawk Pool Plastering and Remodeling, 4780 East Wesley Avenue, Anaheim, California. Look, we've talked about them all summer. Summer's over, but we still get work done, okay? Jayhawk Pool Plastering and Remodeling serves Orange County and the Southlands. They're run by Jayhawk, the eldest son of former Rand John Hawk. He built his business on a mantra of fantastic results. An amazing customer service. You just head on over to jhawkpools.com and take a look at their work. You can see the quality of their finishes and the testimonies provided by past customers. If you're looking to remodel, resurface, or even put in a new pool, give Jhawk a call at 714-695-0700. Again, that's 714-695-0700. You can also email them at info at jhawkpools.com. Folks, it's a great opportunity to support our podcast and help out a member of the Rams family, The Rambling. Live out in the air. They have a call at 714-695-0700. All right, so we're getting ready to close the shop here. We had a couple of mailbag questions that got left over. i going to answer those, and we're going to go on our merry way. Norm, on the mailbag. You ready? You yeah. bet. Okay. This came from George Met, GMet77. He said, our our tight ends look very ordinary. Speed your month maybe breaks in to get some playing time? What do you think?
5: Well, I happen to know a lot about Johnny Munt since he's a former Oregon Duck. So uh, he was a p- total playmaker for the Ducks. He's got the ability to get down the field. And I think he deservedly made the squad this year over uh, to Merrick Hemingway. I could see McVeigh using him as a weapon uh, I honestly think he's a better catching tight end than Tyler Higby. He doesn't have necessarily the, the size of Higby, but I think overall when it comes to pass catching, he's better. He's a better route runner, got better hands. Uh, I I could see him getting some significant time this year. Uh, definitely,
3: I could see him earning his spot in this team, and well, not earning not just he already earned a spot, but earning an actual spot in various package on offense. He, the guy's worked hard. He's he's came in there, he's produced in during the, in the, in the uh, I can out preseason, made some nice catches when the rest of the offense boom, okay. So I like him. And this is rare for me to like an Oregon duck. I mean <laughs> not because they're the Oregon ducks, but because I have to talk trash to him somehow to, to normal <laughs> So yeah, I am really I'm actually excited for him. I, we've had so many well <sighs> I been mediocre. Just, yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. I couldn't get the word out again. <laughs> mediocre. I was trying to think of the words of, you know, you, you have your hands and you just like you just bounce off people's hands. How many times we've we seen Higby drop a pass? Going back to the Cook again. Even, even the guy, real life. Even, even the Joe Everett, who I think could be a star. I really believe he could be a star in the league. His speed, his athleticism, and so on and so forth. But the guy dropped passes last year, made mistakes. I want somebody who can catch a football. Who could, be that, who could be an additional safety valve for golf. Right now, it's Todd Gurley and Todd Gurley and Todd Gurley some more. I want that tight end to be a major factor in the game.
5: I think if if Johnny Munt is given the opportunity uh, enough during the beginning of the season, I think you're going to see him later in the season playing more of a significant role. Because I think... As an all-around tight end, as blocking and cats, you know, pass catching, I think he may be even better as a tight end than than uh, Gerald Everett. Everett is a better athlete, and you'll see, you know, those wow plays from Everett. But you're also going to see those, holy crap, did he just drop that?
3: I can't believe he did that.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I think if you want consistency and you want someone that can catch passes and run routes and and do an all-around fantastic job, I think, Mont's the guy. And I could see him overtaking Higby at some point if Higby doesn't step up his game.
3: All right, another question here from Crenshaw Rams. Here we go. Which Rams wide receiver do you project to lead in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns? Three different categories.
5: Wow, that's tough on this team. Um, Yards I'm going to give to Woods. Uh, touchdowns, I'm going to give the to, to Cooks, and receptions is going to be either Cooper Cup or Woods, in my opinion. I think they'll catch more balls during the game than Brandon Cooks, but Brandon Cooks will have more wild wow plays. So I'll give all three of them something. I'll go, I'll go uh, Cooper Cup receptions, Robert Woods uh, yards, and and Cooks touchdowns. I'm going to flip that.
3: I think. I, I agree with you on Cop. Cuff. Cop's getting receptions. He'll be that guy in the third down that Goff looks towards. Receiving yards, Cooks. That's your deep man. Okay. Receiving touchdowns, Moonbow go to Woods.
5: Yeah, I and I, I'll I, just, I'm I'll not going to argue that with you either. I, I honestly it could go. I think all three of them are going to be involved enough that all three of them could take any of those categories. Uh,
3: and I really believe that we're going to have. And I guess you could call me a homer, but I think there's a really, really good chance that there are three 1,000-yard receivers this year, which says a lot because we've had like one 1,000-yard receiver. i oh, sorry, two, because Woods, was, Woods got 1,000 last year, didn't he? I think so. So Woods and Britt in the last couple of years, and that was it. So it's it's really weird for me to say that, but
5: I really – You think with the tight ends and Gurley in there, you're looking at 4,500 yards? I think so. I think so. It's gonna, I, I think if they want to be Super Bowl champs, that's what it's going to take.
3: They're going to have to get the ball around more, and they're going to have to get it out more consistently than last year. The big mistake to me, the big problem with the offense last year, despite the fact it was number one in the league of scoring, was there were some days when the defense had to carry the offense. like you know, Jared Goff is 115 yards, 140 yards, 180 yards. If you want to win the Super Bowl you gotta get. You, know, you can't do that. You have to have, be more consistent, so on and so forth. Not, and I'm not blaming anybody. You we've said this over and over again. I really consider last year as golf rookie year, and I think this being the second year in the offense, I think you have the right receivers now, and that you have everything in play. And, and barring an injury, knock, 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 I like the possibility of 4,500 yards passing.
5: Yeah, and you're going to have games where Goff maybe only has 150 yards, but hopefully when he's you know has those games, it's because Todd Gurley has 180 yards rushing and three touchdowns. You know, then then you don't want him throwing the ball as much, you know, in that kind of situation. So you're going to have a few of those games, but you know, I, I think that uh, you know, fantasy prediction. I think Jared Goff's going to have a lot more yards and touchdowns than a lot of other quarterbacks in the league. I know a lot of people are sleeping on him and saying he's not there yet, but I have that feeling that it's going to be a lot better than most people predict.
3: Well, worse comes to worst, Let's just say he isn't on his own, one of those top 10 quarterbacks. And a lot of people have not ranked around between 15 and 20 in the league right now. Okay? That's fine. You can believe that. But in the system, is it? Worst comes to worst, Goff's a system quarterback. And he's in the system that produces – I'm not trashing Goff when I'm saying that. I'm just saying, worst comes to worst, he's a system quarterback. And you know what? We've been arguing for 15 years: is Tom Brady a system quarterback? Do I believe that? No. But we will make the argument for years. System quarterbacks make things happen, yeah. and I'm okay with that.
5: Just protect him.
3: Protect Goff.
5: I don't care what you call him, as long as we get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, really, that's what it boils down to to me. I don't care if he throws 150 yards every game. As long as we get to the Super Bowl, but in order to get to the Super Bowl, I think he's going to have to have some three 300- and four hundred yard games.
3: Pretty much, I think so too. Okay, well, folks, we're getting ready to close up shop. A little bit, of sh- a little bit of a trivia here going on. If you have not entered our trivia question for the week, it- the question is: What did the Rams receive from the Eagles in their 1958 trade for Norm Van Brocklin? Email us at RamsTalk1945 at gmail dot com to be entered with a copy of. Follow his team. Very book. Again, read it. Also, if you have any feedback for us, any kind of things you want to communicate to us at all, any questions or anything you want to ask us, heck, if you want to write with us, or maybe even be on the podcast, we're always willing to talk to you. Email us again, Ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. Go for it to follow us on Twitter. you Norm just opened his mouth like he wanted to say something. So go Norm, go.
5: Well, I just wanted to make sure that we put out there that we're also still looking for sponsors for the 2018 season. You know, this is a great way to advertise for for a small amount of money to get the word out on your business. Uh, you know, our numbers. We keep saying they're growing crazy fast. They've already grown, but they're still continuing to grow. And the more they grow, the more expensive the ads get. So getting in early can save you money. So make sure you reach out to us at nineteen at Ramstalk1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We will definitely get a media kit ready for you and get it out to you. And we're happy to talk to you about it on the phone as well. So... You know, don't, don't underestimate the power of our podcast because we're getting a lot of listeners and we cover a lot of area.
3: Yeah, we're doing very well, and I'm pretty proud of that. we have said before, this time last year, we were getting single digits in listeners sometimes, and uh, that's not the case. The math right now, I, I just looked today, the math right now, I think, is 60 times where we were a year ago. So it's pretty, pretty freaking
5: it keeps getting better and better. And we've added two more podcasts and we're still hitting our numbers with not only ours, but theirs too. So, you know, it's, it's really growing. I'm, I'm really proud of what's going on and, and it all, it all doesn't happen without, you know, everybody that's listening. So thank you very much for, for checking us out. Yep.
3: Yep. And, you know. One last thing, the, you know, the more we can bring in, the better equipment we can get to provide better quality. So that's what our goal is we want to be the best out there. We want to be the best at everything we do. And that, improve, that means also providing good sound quality. All right. Don't follow us on Twitter, please, at TalkRams. On Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash RamsTalk. You can always join our group, Rams Talk Room, which actually does better than the Facebook page itself because Facebook and its algorithms move. Okay, you can find me on Twitter at DC Paula. find Norm at Norm Hightower. Don't forget to follow us on iTunes and all those other podcast outlets. We're even working on getting on some more. So, for Norm Hightower, this is Derek C. Paula. It's week one, baby. Woo! Take it easy.
5: <laughs> Adios, folks.